Thanks so much for tuning in to the Mooney Ponds Baptist Church Podcast. Here we upload our weekly teachings that happen every Sunday at our 10 a.m. service. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to us and check out our website at mpbc.org.au. The reading today is from Mark chapter 2, verse 22 to Mark chapter 3, verse 6. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Chapter 3. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? to save life or to kill, but they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Thanks, Teresa, for that reading. One of the constant themes in Mark's Gospel is Jesus' conflict with the religious leaders of his day. Jesus was loved by the people, uh, the ordinary people, because he spoke in ways that they could understand and he spoke about things that they could relate to, things that they were experiencing on a, on a daily and weekly basis. And one of these uh, issues that they faced was Sabbath, Sabbath-keeping. The Sabbath uh, is an official day of rest that uh, God told the Israelites to actually observe. Um, in the book of Genesis, it says that God rested on the seventh day after he'd created the heavens and the earth. Also, Israel were told uh, by God to observe a Sabbath rest each, each week after they had actually been delivered from, um, from, from slavery in Egypt because in slavery they were forced to work all of the time. By the time, though, of uh, Jesus, the Jews had really honed uh, the laws about what was prohibited to be done on the Sabbath. The religious leaders had actually added a whole stack of regulations that they would believe that they believe would actually make people observe the Sabbath in the correct way. In fact, they devised thirty-nine types of activities that people were not permitted to do on that day. 
for example, they they limited the amount to uh, the, the distance that someone could walk on a Sabbath. They said that also people couldn't sell or buy things on a Sabbath because often that would in, that would involve some sort of writing, uh, which was uh, considered work. People were prohibited from climbing trees because in climbing a tree you could actually knock off a, a twig or a, or a leaf and this was considered reaping, which was also uh, work. Reaping grain was actually what the religious leaders accused Jesus' disciples of doing on the Sabbath when they walked through that grain field and picked off grain and ate it. Today in the stories that we re- that were read for us by Teresa, Jesus actually challenges people and the religious leaders about their ideas of Sabbath, as well as their ideas about religion and its ability to give people peace and salvation. In the two incidents, uh, reaping and eating grain and healing a man with a crippled hand on the Sabbath, Jesus confronts people about their spiritual poverty. He says that, uh, that their law-keeping has actually drained their religion of all that God intended when he gave them the laws. Sabbath was meant to be about replenishing the depleted, about fixing the broken, about restoring that which had been run down. But instead, it had become this sort of unbearable burden, uh, this uncapable burden. Healing a man who had a withered hand was exactly the thing that Sabbath was supposed to be about. However, because the religious leaders were so focused on making sure that Sabbath regulations were observed, even to the most minute detail, they had failed to see the beauty of the thing and the mercy of the thing that Jesus had done on that day. There are three reasons why Jesus challenged the uh, Jewish ideas and practices about Sabbath. And I think we need to consider these them, these these ourselves this morning as well so that we can understand what Jesus has done for us but also how we can avoid falling into the legalism that the Pharisees also um, ex- also uh, experienced. The first reason Jesus challenges uh, the ideas and practices of Sabbath is because he, is, uh, he says that the Sabbath was actually made for people, for, for the benefit of people and not the other way around. In many ways, the religious leaders have forgotten the true purpose of God's laws. They had had come to believe that law-keeping was actually an end in itself. But Jesus challenged the religious elite and said, hey, hang on a minute, you've actually missed the point and have made Sabbath, the Sabbath rule, more important than the people who it's meant to protect and benefit. By focusing so much on the law, you've actually failed to really love and care for that which God loves, and these are people. The law of not working on the Sabbath was put into place so that people would not become slaves or workaholics. It was there to remind people that there is a God who cares and a God who actually provides for us. Look at the birds of the air, says Jesus. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much, are you, are you not much more valuable than they? God showed the Israelites uh, in the wilderness that he can actually provide for them when he gave them enough manna to eat, eat on the sixth day of each week so that they wouldn't have to go out and work 
wouldn't have to go out and collect it on the seventh day. But instead, they could rest and enjoy the day, unlike they could do while they're in Egypt. But the Sabbath was was never really meant to uh, was never intended to cause people harm or to cause them pain. Rather, it was to enable people to experience joy and peace and rest. But by the time of Jesus, the Jewish leaders they'd weaponized Sabbath observance and they'd turned this on their own people, binding them to a religion, a religious system that they just couldn't bear. When the Pharisees accused Jesus and uh, his disciples of reaping grain and then eating it on the Sabbath, Jesus went on and reminded them about what King David did uh, when he was fleeing Saul. Fleeing from Saul's wrath, David came to the town of Nob and asked the priests there for food because he and his men were hungry. But the priests didn't have any food to give them, no ordinary food to give them. He only had special bread that was in the tabernacle that was used each week as an offering for the Lord. And so this bread was really considered sacred and it was only meant to be eaten by priests. But the priests gave David and his men the bread to satisfy their hunger. Because of this, Jesus says that if it was okay for David and his men to eat the special bread uh, because they were hungry, even though it was considered sacred, then it was okay for him and his disciples to pick some grain and eat it on the Sabbath as well because they were hungry. What Jesus is saying here is that the laws of God are meant to help people. They're not meant to harm them. And that the religious leaders had actually got it back to front by making the laws a barrier to experiencing to people experiencing well-being. Jesus drives this point home in the second incident when he encounters this man with in the synagogue with a withered hand. Before he heals the man, Jesus asks the people a really, really good question about Sabbath keeping. He doesn't ask them which activities the law prohibits. Rather, he asks whether it was lawful to do good or to do harm, or to save or to kill on the Sabbath. By asking this question, Jesus is actually getting back to the real meaning of why God gave his laws to people, which was about their recreation and about their replenishing. Jesus was showing them that their extreme focus on law-keeping had tied them up in knots, so much so that they were even prepared to, to go out and to do harm and to kill on the Sabbath instead of actually doing good and showing mercy. You see, after Jesus healed the man with a withered hand, this is exactly what the religious leaders conspired to do. They immediately went outside and they plotted together to kill Jesus. In the 1998 movie Les Miserables, uh, starring Liam Neeson and Jeffrey Rush, Javert, the policeman who's played by Rush, he'd been pursuing uh, Jean Valjean for decades after Jean Valjean had skipped parole. Javert is a it was a man who was consumed by trying to keep the law, even to the point where he can't show mercy or even appreciate the good things that Jean Valjean had done in his life. An eye for an eye 
is Javert's law. And there is only one way, according to him, to treat others, and this was with strict justice. But towards the end of the film, Javert is confronted by the fact that there are, however, two paths in life, one of strict law-keeping and the other of mercy and grace. Uh, and uh, Jean Valjean had gone and uh, he'd actually gone to help the rebels at the barricades. And uh, there at the barricades, he actually gets his chance to, to finish off or to kill Javert, his nemesis, because Javert had tried to infiltrate the rebels' barricade and had been caught and tried as a spy. And then they kept him as their prisoner and then they handed him over to Jean Valjean to execute him. which was the sort of justice that, uh, the code of justice that Javert worked by. But instead of shooting him, according to that justice, what Jean Valjean did was he actually cut him loose and, and, uh, and sent him away as a free man. But this mercy, just, it just does something to Javert's mind. It sends him into a tailspin from which he never recovers and so the story continues on, and, and uh, this time uh, the, the story sort of uh, spins around and Javert gets the upper hand again and he captures Jean Valjean. But he can't go on. He can't go on the way he was. And he realises that although Jean Valjean had broken the law, he had actually done so to benefit others. And so standing there by the River Seine, we get this very poignant moment when he tells Jean Valjean that he had tried to live his whole life without breaking a single rule. And in saying that, he was saying that he had failed. Victor Hugo narrates the crisis that Javert encountered, saying he saw two roads before him, both equally straight, but he saw two of them, which actually terrified him because he only ever thought there was one, the, the road of legalism. There was Jean Valjean's generosity towards him, and then there was Javert's road that devastated him. The road of mercy freely offered is incoherent, though, to the legalist. And even worse, the offer of mercy actually hardens the legalist's heart and their soul. And in the end, this discomfort was too much for Javert to bear, and so he ends his life by throwing himself into the river rather than fall upon the grace and mercy of God. And this is the same reason why in Mark's Gospel account, the Pharisees and the Herodians could only resolve after experiencing seeing Jesus' extreme mercy by going outside and plotting to kill him. In these two incidents of reaping grain in the field and of healing a man with a, with a withered hand on the Sabbath, Jesus is showing us that there are, in fact, two radically different roads in life, one of legalism and the other of mercy, one of religion and and one of relationship with Jesus. Jesus, my friends, he bids us today to choose mercy and to choose relationship in, with him because only these roads, only these paths lead to peace and joy and life. The second reason Jesus challenged Jewish ideas and practices about Sabbath keeping is because he is actually the Lord of the Sabbath, in the uh, incidents in Mark's gospel, 
Jesus is actually making a bigger statement than just talking about situational ethics of what you should do in certain situations or about the need for being more merciful. Just when you think that he can't go any further, Jesus actually ratchets it up a notch and he makes a revolutionary, earth-stopping, atom-splitting claim. What he claims is that there is not a correct religious, uh, there is not, that, that is not correct, sorry, what he claims is that it's not correct religious observance that will save you and that will enable you to experience peace with God and true rest. But rather it is he, Jesus, who will do that because he is actually the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath law is actually only a shadow of what God wants people to experience. In fact, all of the Ten Commandments are really shadows pointing to something else that's greater than them. Some of you might have heard sermons uh, before about the Sabbath, and these might have emphasised that you should rest one day each week to experience the rest which God wants. This day could be a Saturday or a Sunday. It could be any day, in fact, in the week. But this is not what Jesus means here when he says, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. When we view the Old and the New Testament uh, when we view the Old Testament through the New Testament, we can see that, that many of the sacrifices uh, or feasts and prophecies, they point to Jesus. He actually fulfills them. Even Moses, the prophet Moses, was a prototype of Jesus. When Jesus called himself the true bread from heaven, p- people would have understood him as saying that he would actually satisfy them more than the manna bread did the Israelites when they were in the wilderness. So, and here, Jesus calling himself the Lord of the Sabbath, this is no exception to this pattern. What Jesus is saying or stating here by calling himself the Lord of the Sabbath is not that he now stipulates uh, which day that we should rest on, for example, on Saturday or Sunday. Rather, what he's saying is that he is the only one, or he is the one who provides the rest. He is the Lord of the Lord of the rest. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, is the one who provides us rest, not because we do something different on a particular day of the week. He provides the rest for us as we turn to him 24-7, 365 days a year. We need to let go of the shadow, which is the law that points us to rest, and instead we need to experience the rest itself which is Jesus. True rest is uh, not experienced through a day off or even a two-day weekend. True rest is not experienced by having a holiday on the Gold Coast, which we're all looking, longing for at this point in our lives. These are not enough to, to rid our deep fatigue that we experience. If you're weary from trying to be religious, weary from trying to satisfy the demands of religion, weary from trying to prove your worth to God or prove your worth to yourself or to others, then Jesus is saying to you here this morning, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light.
Jesus is therefore calling for nothing less than an end to the pursuit of religion and to the beginning of a relationship with him as Lord of your life. He's calling for an end to striving in your own strength in order to achieve your own salvation and instead to accept that Jesus is the rest that you need. He's the one who can enable you to know and experience all that the Lord tries to point us to. Jesus is not doing away with the divine principle of rest. He's wanting us, he's actually wanting to make sure that we really experience it. And the way that we do that is by experiencing him as Lord, as the one who provides the rest that we need. The third reason Jesus challenged Jewish ideas and practices about Sabbath was because he wants people to really enter the true rest that he provides. Jesus could have authorised the change of Sabbath rules as, as because he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He could have made it two days instead of one. But Jesus is saying more than he is just the boss who can change the rules. The word Sabbath actually means deep rest. It actually has a similar meaning to the word shalom, uh, which is a Hebrew word which means wholeness and flourishing in all aspects of life. So when Jesus says he is the Lord of the Sabbath, what he means is he is the source of, of wholeness and flourishing in life. What does it mean then for Jesus as the Lord of the Sabbath to enable us to experience rest? On one level, it is a call for us to trust God and to take time off from our mental and physical labours on a regular basis and actually believe that God will provide for us uh, and uh, so, that we, so that we don't have to actually work 365 days a year like slaves or workaholics. But on another level, it means that although we go through life experiencing heavy burdens and wearying experiences, whether these are financial or physical or mental health issues, in the midst of our weariness, Jesus is offering us rest. Sure enough, rest uh, in eternity will completely free us of these struggles. But rest in this life may not always be an absence of these problems. Rather, rest will be to experience a sense of God's presence, uh, his guidance, support, empowerment and wisdom through these dark periods of our life. When we rest in Jesus during these times, we refuse to believe the lies that Satan whispers to us, lies that say that God is withholding good from us. It is is to refuse the lie that uh, you don't have a baby or you don't have a job or you don't have that promotion or the cure you need because of something that you did in the past. When we rest in Jesus, it is a refusal to believe that you that your present troubles are the result of not keeping a law of God in some particular way. But there is also another dimension to the rest that Jesus is wanting uh, us to experience today as well. When God created the world, he rested not because he was tired, but because he had, he, he had done what he'd set out to do and it was complete and he was satisfied with it. 
This means that the call to rest is a call to be satisfied in what Jesus has done for us and to rest in the fact that there is nothing more left for for us to do to achieve God's acceptance. In the uh, movie Chariots of Fire, Eric Little, who was a Christian, he refused to run uh, in the heats of the 100-metre sprint at the Paris Olympics because they were going to be held on a Sunday, which for him was his Sabbath. So this meant that he, he couldn't go on and compete for the gold medal, which he really wanted to do, and he had a good chance of winning. And so although the movie is really a lot about his decision to honour this commitment of taking rest, there's also another dimension of the movie that's going on, a different level. And uh, this dimension is the different reasons why Eric Little was running and why Harold Abrahams was running and competing in the Olympic Games. You see, both Little and Abrahams were on the same team. They were both from the United Kingdom and they both were going to run in this 100-metre race. But the movie shows that Abrahams wanted to win in order to prove his self-worth. Prior to the finals, Abrams was asked why he was competing and he said, I've got 10 seconds in which to justify my existence. Eric Little, on the other hand, he was running for a different reason. He said that he just wanted to please God. And he told his sister that when he runs, he feels God's pleasure. When Harold Abrams rested, he still continued to feel tired because he was trying to prove his self-worth. Whereas no matter how much Eric Little ran or how much he sprinted, he never felt tired. He always felt rested because he was, he was not using it to achieve his self-worth. Many people work to try and prove themselves in life, whether it's at school, in a job, on the sporting field, or even in the practice of religion. When we do this, we're trying to convince people, trying to convince God, ourselves, that we're good people, that uh, that we're enough in ourselves and that, uh, that we're enough in and of ourselves. What Jesus is saying here is that uh, that this work of trying to prove that you are good enough will never end and will wear you out until you stop and rest in Jesus. On the cross, as Jesus died, he cried out, It is finished. And what he meant by this is that we can now rest. We don't have to go on striving to make ourselves good enough for God anymore. That is because in reality we we can actually never do enough. But it's also because we don't need to strive by trying to make ourselves good enough, by keeping laws and religious obligations because Jesus has done all all that is required, and we are called, what we are called to do now is to rest in him and what he's done. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, I want to thank you for Jesus. What a radical man Jesus was. 
came to call us into relationship and into freedom. Lord, it's amazing what happened back there on that day. People were confronted by Jesus. It would have been earth-shattering, really, to experience that. And for us, too, for some of us, it might be earth-shattering as well. Lord, I pray that uh, you would help us to encounter your grace and your mercy today, that we would we would fall upon that because you want to lead us into freedom, into peace and into rest. Help us to, to sit there and to, to accept that from you today, Jesus, and to claim that rest and to enter that rest that you give us by not striving to achieve uh, our own salvation and our own strength anymore. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.